we have been over the past few weeks encountering Jesus teaching on just that subject, um, the righteousness and justice which are uh, expected of God's children. Jesus teaches in the temple. This morning, we look at another one of his parables as it's uh, recorded for us in the 22nd chapter of Matthew. If you are able to stand to receive the gospel today, please do so now. Once more, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look! I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, maltreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad, so the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see his guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jesus is in Jerusalem. He is in the middle of that eventful week which ended with his arrest and trial, crucifixion and death. He is teaching in the temple during these days. And the crowds are undoubtedly large for two reasons. First of all, it is Passover week. People from all over the world are gathering in Jerusalem for the festival. So the crowds were large. But second, Jesus is a popular teacher, drawing significant interest in himself. For he was known as a a miracle worker, a wise teacher, and a healer. And there was significant rumor circulating that perhaps this man was indeed God's Messiah. So the crowds gathered around Jesus were, in fact, increasing in size because of the festival and because of Jesus himself. And peppered through the crowd were those who were the leaders of the Jewish people. And remember in those days that religious leaders and political leaders were one and the same. So there were Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and teachers 
all those who were official leaders among the Jewish people. Their curiosity about Jesus drew them to hear what he had to say. Their concern for his teaching caused them to confer with one another. And their fear of him led them to plot against him to do Jesus in. But the focus here is not on the crowds themselves, but just on those religious teachers and leaders whom Jesus addressed directly in his teaching in the temple that week. His teaching, in fact, was pointed and uncompromising. In Matthew's gospel, the writer records parable after parable after parable, teaching after teaching that Jesus spoke during that time in the temple. And he was deliberate in accusing those religious leaders of misleading the people and of violating the trust that God had placed in them. Jesus' first story was about a farmer who sent his two sons to work in his vineyard. The first son said he wouldn't go. But then he thought better of it, and he went and worked in his father's vineyard for the day. The second son said, yes, father, I will go. But then he didn't. He went and did other things, presumably. Jesus accused the religious leaders. He said, you are the ones. You are the ones who said yes to God at first. But you have not followed through. You have not honored God. You have, in fact, served only yourselves. Tax collectors and prostitutes will enter the kingdom of God before you. So egregious is your failure to follow through after first you said yes to God. And then Jesus' second parable in the temple that week was about a landowner who put tenants in charge of his vineyard while he traveled. When he, he, he sent his, his, first his servants and then his son to collect the rent at harvest time, but the tenants abused and killed the servants and the son. And Jesus' conclusion, the kingdom will be taken away from you and given to a people who produces the fruits of the kingdom. The fruits as we discussed um, as we learn from, from the historians and the prophets of the Old Testament, the fruits of the kingdom are justice and righteousness. Again, the religious leaders were accused by Jesus of neglecting God's call and God's service. And they became more determined to silence Jesus once and for all because he was accusing them Directly. So today we come to the third story, the third parable that Jesus teaches in the temple that week. And this is perhaps the most challenging story for us because it is nothing less than an absurd story. Its elements don't fit together and they don't make sense together as the story progresses. But despite that, Jesus' point is clear. Many are called, few are chosen. Yet another indictment of the religious leaders and a warning for us. Many are called, few are chosen. Well, as the story begins, an invitation is offered. The king invites guests to come to the palace 
to his son's wedding feast. But the invitation is met with rejection. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine an invitation to Buckingham Palace? Or an invitation to the White House? That you would simply refuse and not move heaven and earth to be able to get there? But the people reject the king's invitation. And then the king issues a second one. He goes, he sends his servants out and he, he tells the people, no, no, come. Um, uh, my ox and my fatted animals are already, uh, are already, um, uh, prepared and, and the feast is ready. It, you know, it's going to be quite a, not the kind of meal you have at home every day. Um, it's going to be delicious. Who wouldn't come to a party like that? But those invited are apparently unimpressed. And, and they return to business as usual, doing the things that they do every day. Unusual behavior, unexpected. What in the, makes you ask, makes us ask, what in the world is going on here? That folks would refuse the invitation of the king to a great banquet. But then things go completely off the rails in Jesus' story. We watch in horror as the servants sent by the king to announce the party are seized and abused and murders and murdered. Who saw that coming? How did the stakes suddenly get so high that those who invite you to the wedding feast of the king's son end up losing their lives in return? In retaliation, the king goes to war against his own people. He is enraged by their actions, Matthew tells us, and he unleashes an army. And before we know it, the murderers themselves have been murdered and the city, presumably the king's own city, is reduced to smoke and ashes. All because of a wedding invitation. But it gets stranger still. With our heads still spinning, we learn that the dinner is still on. The banquet is still going to take place. And so the invitations go out again. This time to just regular people on the main streets of the city. But wait a minute, I thought the city was just destroyed. Just burned down. Where did the city come from? Well, apparently while soldiers pillaged and slashed, all the while great flames were consuming the buildings outside the palace walls, the... The little sterno burners were still keeping the food warm. And, and the feast was all ready for the eventual guest. Well, you've already seen, we've already seen, this is, it's not a realistic story. The, the elements of the story don't fit together and make it a cohesive narrative. But there's, but there's one more bizarre thing ahead. There's still something else that is stranger than we would expect. With the party in full swing, you know, you know how they do it. You know, they, all the guests come in and, and they begin the party and then the king makes his grand entrance. Well, when the king comes in and starts to move around among his guests, he finds that one of them is not dressed properly. Friend, he says, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And receiving no satisfactory answer, the poor guy is bound and thrown out, not just outside the hall, but into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing teeth. 
gnashing of teeth with friends like that who needs enemies. But think about it. Of course, of course he isn't dressed properly. He was just pulled off the street at the last minute. The only guy who would come or the only people who would come. But this king, well, I think we've, we finally reached the point of the story with all of these strange things happening, all of these unexpected things that, that don't necessarily fit together and make a sensible story. Finally, we get to Jesus' point. This king is no pushover. He is exacting in his expectations and uncompromising in his will. If the new guests are beneficiaries of an unexpectedly generous invitation, even if they're the beneficiaries of an unexpected invitation, they must nevertheless be on guard about the complacency shown by the first invitees. The doors of the kingdom are wide open and the invitation extends literally to all. But once you come in, there are standards. There are things that are expected of you. You can't go on acting like you are not at an extraordinary party. Our king has uncompromising expectations of us. He expects us to say yes to his invitation and then follow through with good and diligent service, hard and focused work. It doesn't matter if you've responded at the last minute to an unexpected invitation. Still, you are expected to get into the harness and do the work of righteousness and justice in your own life and in service to others. The kingdom of heaven is a banquet. It's a grand party, but it is also a call to faithfulness to the Lord's expectations. As I was thinking about this story all week, um, a remark came to my mind that was made in the storybook Alice in Wonderland by the Queen of Hearts. At one point in the story, the Queen of Hearts says this. It takes all the running you can do to keep in the same place. If you want to get somewhere else, you must run at least twice as fast as that. (laughs) Do you know what that means? (laughs) Do you live a life like that? It takes all the running you can do just to keep in the same place. The Pharisees, the teachers in Jesus' time, were using the festivities of Passover as Jesus stood there in the temple and addressed them. They were using the festivities as if they were the ones being served. Instead of recognizing that they were called to be servants of the king, they were taking the opportunity to rest on their privilege and direct others to serve and follow. Jesus warns them sternly, you will be thrown out, into not just out into the street, but into that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus warns them and he warns us sternly not to fall into the same trap. We are chosen by God, sisters and brothers. And that's occasion for a great party and a great celebration. Chosen, chosen by the God of the universe, you and I. But we are chosen not for privilege, but for service. To serve others to whom God sends us. Well, the wedding banquet, the wedding banquet is an absurd little story. 
The elements of the story don't quite fit together in a sensible way. But Jesus taught in stories so that his teachings would be remembered. In each of his parables, there's something unexpected, something surprising that occurs. That makes the story memorable. Well, and not only have these parables been remembered, uh, but we still focus on them and think about them, talk about them and study them 2,000 years later. In this one, it is the absurdities that are unexpected. And that made a memorable story, one that people remembered and that we still read. But the point of Jesus' wedding banquet story is unmistakable. Spurn the king's invitation at your own risk. To be a part of the kingdom of God carries values and expectations. To be a part of the kingdom of God requires all the running you can do and even more. Amen.